Well, uh, man, if there's ever a time that uh, the words to that song are true, it's now, right? You watch all the just mess and garbage happen in the news and across the world around us. You look at the mess that we've created, right? Those of us in this room, in our lives. And the mess in the friends, our friends' lives, our homes, what's going on in our kids' schools. And, and we rise up early because we happen to be a people who believe that, that we need a solution outside of ourselves. And what we need and where we find our hope is in Jesus Christ. It's, it's our heart's desire to gather with you every week at, at Summit to remind each other that there is a God who loves us and he provides hope. And although the world around us looks like it is meaningless and spinning out of control, right, as the the uh, writer Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes we're looking at, it looks like life is meaningless. What is the point? Look at all the pain. Look at all the suffering. Nothing fills my heart. But yet he comes to the conclusion at the end, after his search, like many of you have, and you recognize that, no, there's meaning. It's just not under the sun. Life is found with the sun, Jesus Christ. And so that's why we gather. And I realize there's many of you right now who are in here and you may not have yet understood the love of Christ. And you're here maybe because a friend said, hey, you should come. And you're investigating and I am more thrilled that you're here than anyone. I love the fact that you're uh, brave enough, courageous enough, honest enough to rise up early and walk into a room where maybe you've never been before with people you don't know and just kind of go, hey, I'll investigate this thing. I'll look. I'll look and to see if what the Bible says is true. And I really want to thank you for being here. And I want you to know that we want to be a friend to you. And there's not a question that's off limits. Anybody that's investigating the faith, anybody who's struggling, anybody who's wrestling, we want to be a safe place for you. I'm really glad you're here. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I, I thank you that My heart is encouraged when I rise up early and and I stand up here and I look around this room and I see uh, several hundred men. And I I know there's a couple hundred in in Plano, just north of us. There's many more men in Fort Worth gathering for the same purpose, to remind ourselves that we need you and that, that hope and peace and all that our heart is looking for isn't found in our own solution. It isn't found in fleeting pleasures that this world offers, but it is found in a relationship with our eternal eternal God, with our Savior, with our King, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears today that we can make the most of our time together. We give this time to you. We love you, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Henry David Thoreau, maybe some of you read his works Long ago, in English class, but he is famous for having said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Think about that for a second. Can you identify with that? That, that, sense of longing and wanting more, a, a sense of desperation of looking around you and, and kind of just going, hey, so what's the point? All the striving, all the working, what's the point? Why are we here? 
What if I told you, gang, that that, that longing that you have, what, what if I told you that, hey, you know, as you pursue fulfillment in life, what if we were to grant to you that job promotion that you're looking for right now? Do you think then you'd go, okay, that, that, okay now, now I'm good. What if I told you, hey, let me add a couple of zeros to your bank statement? What if I told you, hey, you know what? You, you could marry one of the most beautiful women in the world. Would it be then that you go, hey, I think that, I think that would satisfy my longing. That, that sense of desperation, that sense of, mer- of purpose and meaning and fulfillment, security. Where does that come from? Is it money? Is it, is it pleasure? Is it entertainment? Is it another vacation? Is it that job you're looking for? Is it um, fame? You see, men are, um, you know, as J.I. Packer, a, a famous theologian said, hey, our, our hearts, we have, they are idol factories. <laughs> we'll create idols and we'll pursue them trying to find that thing that's going to fill our heart. And, and I just want you to hear this morning a short clip from Tom Brady, Right? Some of you may have seen this before, but it's Tom Brady, who's a guy who most people would look at and go, okay, okay, now if I had that, if I had multiple Super Bowl rings, if I was headed for the Hall of Fame, if I was considered perhaps to be the greatest quarterback to ever play, if I had all that money, if I were to marry a supermodel, then, then I'd be okay. Watch this clip real quick with me. Some of you may have seen that clip, right? And and I show it to you because I think there's several of us who are are climbing that mountain, right? And, and, And we think, man, that's the pinnacle, whether it's fame or wealth or marrying a supermodel or being a great athlete. We think, man, if we were to climb that mountain, then the things that cause us insecurity and that longing in our heart would be fulfilled. And I just want you to hear from a guy who is at that, the top, the pinnacle of that mythical mountain. And he's going, I don't know. I don't know, I still have that search. I'm still not sure. The, the book of Ecclesiastes is about another man whose wealth far surpassed Tom Brady's, whose fame far surpasses Tom Brady's, whose the number of wives he has far surpasses Tom Brady's. The intellect, the knowledge, the wisdom, the wealth, the power that Solomon had, he had a a true embarrassment of riches. You guys know we're obviously looking at the book of Ecclesiastes and, and what I want to do is I just want to give you some background information on this book. And, I, and this book is, is one of those that it just feels teed up for a men's Bible study because we can relate to that search for meaning. We, we can relate to 
um, today, right, to that, that longing that Solomon had years ago. And I want to look at the background. I want to share with you some of the unique features, and, and then we'll look quickly at chapter one, and then I, I want to get you in the group so that you guys can discuss amongst yourselves some of these themes. But the, the book is actually difficult to outline um, because of the number of times it, it shifts topics. I don't know if you've sat down and read it yet, but it, it is not an easy book to just read through. There's a lot of different topics. It, um, it's not like Romans, which is very sequential when you read the letter of Paul's to the church in Rome. But you, you have generally you have an introduction in chapter one, and then you have this search for meaning. Solomon sets out. Remember, he's at his zenith. He's at, he, he's had, he's at the top of the mountain, and he's saying, looking around, going, there's got to be more. And so he goes on this search. I'll find it, and he looks everywhere. And then in chapter 7 through 11, he talks about, hey, what does it look like to apply wisdom in this world? And then he comes to this great conclusion in chapter 12. But you've got to be patient. Ecclesiastes is one of those books, as we read through it together, where we're going to wrestle with Solomon. And the answers aren't just right there on the surface. And you'll find yourself scratching your head a few times at some of the ways in which he wrestles. I told you, Solomon's the one who wrote this, and you've got to keep in mind, Solomon, he's the son of David, who was the greatest king to ever live over Israel. And Solomon rules over the united kingdom of Israel in its heyday. He's the wisest man to ever live. When given the opportunity to pray and ask for anything, he asked for wisdom that he could lead well. And God goes, not only am I going to give you wisdom, Solomon, you're going to be the wisest man to ever live. And because you didn't ask for riches, I'm going to give you more riches than anyone has ever had the opportunity to enjoy. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you fame. Now Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Many people believe that this is written late in his life. He also wrote Song of Solomon and Proverbs. Solomon of Solomon is probably one of those books he wrote early in his life where he's talking about his love and, and, uh, and his, his, uh, his marriage. And Proverbs is kind of those middle years where he's writing to his son and said, hey son, let me give you some, some advice how to live this life. But now Solomon's at the end of his life and he's kind of, Looking back, and he, he's going, hey, let me, let me just tell you something. Let me offer perspective from a guy who's been there. And the whole purpose is to show the futility of trying to find life apart from God. Can you find meaning, purpose, and fulfillment apart from God? And so you'll see a couple of the themes. It's just that it's, it's a vain pursuit of trying to find meaning and purpose in life. And he looks... He, he pursues education and knowledge. He tries to find it in work, in riches, in fame, in pleasure. He goes to all these things. He goes, okay, it wasn't knowledge. It wasn't another PhD. It wasn't another accomplishment. It's got to be something else. What if, I, what if I build great projects and great buildings? Ecclesiastes um, points, it doesn't speak specifically to Christ, but it points to Christ. All right. Can you all switch it back there for me? Um, Because in chapter 3, verse 11, this is where Solomon speaks specifically that God has set eternity in our hearts. 
This is where he says, hey, the reason why Tom Brady is wondering if there's more, the reason why I've wondered there's more, the reason why you are wondering if there's more is because there's a God-shaped vacuum in your heart that only could be fulfilled by one. And we don't hear till later when Christ comes on the scene and it's Jesus who says in John chapter 10, hey, I'm the one who could provide ultimate fulfillment, meaning, and joy. And so when you read through here, you're going to see the common phrase, under the sun. Under the sun. And and there's a perspective that Solomon has throughout the book. Is there meaning and purpose in life under the sun? Apart from God. And you've got to allow him to wrestle and not apply what you know from the New Testament back into this book. He's looking as a natural man going, is there life, is there meaning under the sun? And they'll come to a point where he goes, hey, there's a perspective above. There's a perspective under the sun, S-O-N, as he talks about what it looks like to fear God. Some of the key chapters, chapters one, the introduction, chapter two, uh, certainly the end of the book, you'll see words repeated like vanity or vanities, meaningless, striving after wind, wisdom, folly. These are books repeated over and over again. He's frustrated. Some of the unique features you'll find out when you read this book, he's brutally honest. He's almost pessimistic in his tone, cynical as he looks, looks about him, trying to find purpose and fulfillment. As I said, it's, it's difficult to, um, to outline. There's multiple topics. You'll feel like he starts one place and then he picks up with another topic and he shifts and he looks somewhere else. Talks about work, leisure, entertainment, worship, nature, money, death, sleep, eating, drinking, government. He wrestles with all these things. Hopefully when you came in, you got a chart um, that it, it, the top of it's filled out, but the uh, bottom portion of it's blank, and that's for you to fill out. But I, what, what I want you to see is this is just what I wrote down, and I think it's helpful every time you take a book of the Bible to read it and to think through, hey, how would I title this chapter? What are the key verses? What are the contents? What are the things that make me, when I read this, kind of scratch my head and go, what in the world does he mean by that? And so for chapter one, you'll see that in verses 1 through 11, there's, this is just simply an introduction to the whole book that I just titled, All is Vanity. Just quoting what he says at the beginning. In verse 2, he, he writes, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Are we really to conclude that life is meaningless? Is a question you might ask yourself. And then he looks for the search for meaning in this world. I want to look at just chapter 1 with you real quick. And then I'll allow you to break in your groups. But if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, this is where you see that um, Solomon just introduces himself. He's the king in Jerusalem. He introduces the theme in verse 2. And then he asks the question, hey, what's the point? 
Look at verses 3 through 11. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow, where they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after that. Do you hear that sense of desperation when you, when you read this? If you've never read Ecclesiastes, some of you are like, man, that's in my Bible. That sounds depressing. But it's an honest look. He's, he's looking around him and he says, hey, nothing stops nature's endless cycle. Look at just the monotony. What's the point? Hey, you know, you live, you die, and nobody remembers you. Why am I here? Nothing satisfies the eye or the ear. Nothing fulfills, nothing's new. No one's going to be remembered. And then in verses 12 through 18, which I'll let you look at, he talks about, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll just get smarter. I can figure this thing out. And so he pursues education and he applies himself to that. But you know what he says in verse 18? For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. In other words, the more I pursued, the more I understood, it just led to more questions. And more questions. And more questions. Gang, this is a great book because Solomon's search, I think, is similar to ours. And, and it's a reminder to us that the things we're pursuing after ultimately don't fulfill the longings of our heart. You're going to get a little frustrated when you read this book. You're going to have a lot of questions, and that's why we gather. That's why we get in small groups, and that's why we wrestle with the text and hang on with Solomon. All right? Hang on with it. And allow yourself to wrestle. Be honest. It's a brutally honest book. It gives you permission to be honest. I want to share with you, though, um, in closing, an email I received yesterday. You know, um, it's fun to me when I receive words of encouragement like this. I had a friend who, uh, he wrote me, he just said, hey, I just want to share with you my wife's mother, okay? She's in her uh, mid-80s. And um, she lost her husband not too long ago of 50 years. 50 years. Now she's living alone. And, and my friend just said to me, you know, when the journey came out and all those daily Bibles were being distributed, you know, I decided, hey, I'm going to buy one for everybody in my family. And I'm just going to challenge them. Hey, why don't, why don't you read with me? And, and let's just take a shot at what does the Bible have to say? 
And this is my friend's attempt at trying to love and reach out to his family. And, and there are, you know, in different places in their faith. And some said, hey, I'm in. And, and others kind of, you know, I'm not sure that's really what I want to do. Thanks for the offer. And, uh, but his wife's mother said, hey, I, I'll take you up on that. And, uh, and so my friend decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do to encourage everybody in my family is that every once in a while, I'm going to actually kind of write my own journey devotional. And I'm going to send it to everybody. I'm going to encourage people to do the same. And um, not really even knowing that uh, his, his mother-in-law was tracking in each day and reading, lo and behold, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an email comes in. And she writes this to her family. Thank you for including me in this Bible study. My sweet daughter brought me the Daily Walt Bible, and I'm enjoying following the journey. Like Moses, I'm not eloquent, but I'll share some of my own thoughts. I'd like to go back to Genesis. God created man to fellowship with him. Over the past few years, I've faced many trials, many health issues, and the loss of my dear husband. I totally surrendered my life and came to the point that I realized that if I had a personal, intimate relationship with the Savior, that whatever problems I had to face, that I wouldn't have to face them alone. He is my true companion, my strength, my friend, and he has promised to never leave me or forsake me. This has meant so much because unlike many of my friends who are widows and suffer from loneliness and depression, I haven't had to deal with any of that. I am in the winter of my life. I'm nearing home. And I ask, how can I cope with my fears, struggles, and growing limitations? How do I face the future with hope instead of despair? Psalm 71, 18 says, Now when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. I want all my loved ones to have that personal relationship like I have. I want to live out my life so that all can see Christ only, always living in me. Pretty sweet. My friend's 85-year-old mother-in-law, she's not searching. She's not scratching her head going, man, if I could just have more. What she's going is, hey, I figured it out. It's been revealed to me, would be a better way of saying it. And it's a relationship with the eternal God that comes through Jesus Christ. And gang, I tell you, whose shoes would you rather be in? Would you rather be in the shoes of a, an elderly woman that nobody knows about who said, hey, I'm good. I know Jesus. My heart's full. Would you rather be in the shoes of, of a guy who's, in the world's eyes, has it all, but is asking, man, there's got to be more than this. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, uh, I thank you for the brutal honesty of Solomon's search for meaning and his quest. We can relate to that. We can relate, Father, to uh, the questions he asks in trying to find meaning and purpose in life um, under the sun. But, Lord, our hearts, we, if we know, Lord, that, that that's a futile exercise because we've been there. We've tried. 
And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us in our groups today just to, to um, encourage each other, remind each other of what's true. I pray, Father, that we would just be at that place of, of humility to speak about areas in our life where we're trying to find meaning apart from you, that we need to stop. I pray, Father, that each week you you give us just a desire to want to gather with one another and learn from each other and um, be an encouragement to each other of where life is ultimately found, despite the promises of this world, which are telling us that we can find it in anything but you. Lord, we started this morning singing that, that we need you. And Lord, I just echo that, that chorus again and just confess before you, Lord, that we desperately need you. And we thank you, Lord, that in our need, you've chosen to speak um, and give us truth and light and reveal yourself to us. Praise in Christ's name. Amen.